Alex Carell is one of over 70,000 Google Career Certificate graduates. The Google Career Certificate program completely changed the trajectory of my life. I've always been interested in computers, but I never thought I could turn this into a career. Anytime I got a little break, I just pop open the course on my phone. That allowed me to have that path into a career that I'm passionate about. Train online for in-demand jobs in IT, UX design, data analytics, project management, and more. Visit grow.google/certificates. This episode is brought to you by Simple Mobile. Tired of being tied down with a wireless contract? Switch to Simple Mobile and stay connected on a powerful nationwide 5G network. Unlimited talk, text, and data starts at $30 a month with no contracts, activation fees, or credit checks. Visit simplemobile.com today. Out with the old, in with the simple. Compatible 5G capable device and SIM required. Actual availability, coverage and speed may vary. 5G network not available in all areas. 1 month equals 30 days. See terms and conditions at simplemobile.com. Everybody be thinking about your favorites. <laughs> Good day. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> that is related to our weekend as well. I uh, watched a bunch of those videos today. Did you? Yeah. Have you guys ever heard of LA Beast? No. 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 So he's a is YouTuber. That, like a fit, that sounds like a fitness company. No. Like, no. It's like a YouTuber. Where? It, it's yeah. a YouTuber. He doesn't even live in LA, apparently. He lives in like the Northeast. But he goes by LEDs, and he does um, challenges. Like we watched a video where he broke the world record for longest distance walked on Legos. And uh, wait, is this, is this Mr. Beast? No, no, yeah. LA Beast. Different, different YouTubers. Gotcha. So he did the longest distance walked on Legos. It was like two and a half miles, and it took him three hours. So he was walking on straight oh. Legos for like three hours. His feet were like Dang. bleeding and stuff by the end. But then he does food challenges. Like one of the videos we watched, he ate Doritos that were from like 1990 and drank Mountain Dew from the same era. Okay. Oh, and I fell asleep during that and I completely missed the Lego walking one. Did you miss the Lego walking mm-hmm. one? Then he does like hot food challenges. Like there's like one called the Death Nut Challenge where. They do like a super, like it's like packaged like peanuts, but they put like the world's hottest pepper in them and they like progressively get hotter as you eat each peanut. Which I found those online for about, I think it's like the cheapest I found was like $10 a thing and then it went up to like $18 a thing. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. I don't know if I'd do it. I wouldn't. There's no way in here. Yeah, watching him go through that, and that's all he does is eat hot stuff, would not be fun. But yeah, you guys need to check him out. His videos are definitely entertaining. He also, there's a cool video he did. Uh, He's like a kid of the 90s, like, you know, collecting like baseball cards and (laughs) collecting like baseball cards and basketball cards. He bought like an old pack of like... uh, of like basketball cards for like a couple hundred dollars and he pulled and he was really wanting a rookie Michael Jordan card and he actually pulled it from the pack. Oh, dude. So it's like a, it's a really cool, uh, that's a, you know, he just does fun stuff. I liked the science guy better. The the one with the squirrel ninja warrior. Oh, the score, um, uh, Mark Rover. Yeah. That's another good YouTube channel. 
Did you guys watch the dance uh, about Michael Jordan? Yeah, the last dance. The last dance. Oh, that was dance. solid. Yeah. So good. Well, well, the dance is a song by Garth Brooks. My bad. <laughs> <laughs> I watched that one too. <laughs> yeah. Well, if you guys also want some other good YouTube content, we do have a YouTube channel called Honey Hole Angling. We don't eat hot yes, stuff. Do. Maybe one day we'll do a challenge for one the li- for the likes. For the likes, yeah. So, um, or we'll eat salt strumming, whatever it's called, the super fermented fish. Yeah. Ooh. Um, <laughs> this this is a special yeah. episode because we uh, aren't going to be able to get together normally. Because of the week of Thanksgiving, we all got stuff going on. So we're just going to do like a special short episode to make sure you guys still have some content. But at the same time, we're going to talk, we're not going to do our regular segments uh, that we do. We're going to talk about uh, Mine and Cliff's hunting trip from this past weekend with lessons learned. Because we had a, a pretty crazy Sunday morning. Um, yeah. Would be an understatement with some like legit hunting and it was super fun. So let me do, we did get a wood tip email. Let me knock that out, which also found out from my dad this weekend. Wood tip is his favorite part of the podcast. Is it really? Yeah. <laughs> so. Well, also like I would imagine that wood tip could potentially be your dad. Like after meeting him, if he didn't specify that he lived in South Texas, like I could imagine that being your dad, especially after like um, we went and saw him a couple weeks ago, and then we started getting the emails, and I was like, okay, <laughs> <laughs> that would be interesting. We'll have to. Uh, I'll have to see how he responds to that comment. I'll I'll call him yeah. after the podcast comes out because he's been well, he's been listening. When we first got up there, he even said that he was Woodtip. Do you not remember that? No, I don't remember that. Yeah, he said it. Is your dad Woodtip? He claimed it for <laughs> for a brief set moment. Um, I also asked my dad if he liked our podcast, and he said it's good. There you go. <laughs> Is that like? And he's listening, but we got a the I guess a good seal of approval. Yeah, and, and he said he'd write us a, like a two star review. Yeah, he said he'd write us two star. <laughs> And is that like high since, from your dad, like two stars? Like, <laughs> yeah, you gotta since, earn that third star. Since he is listening, I want to extend my deepest appreciation again for cooking for us and allowing us to come up there and hunt this past weekend. Mm-hmm. By the time you hear this, it'd be two weekends ago. <laughs> but uh, again, from the bottom of my heart, I uh, sincerely appreciate it. He made some hmm. sweet venison that dinner we had. Yeah, that Salisbury steak. And it he did like was, Salisbury oh, yeah. steak. It was bomb. It was really great. good. If you weren't coming home, like by the time I got back from checking that game cam, I was gonna eat it. <laughs> but you were there. <laughs> no, I finished that stuff, man. Because I, I got I got in late. All right, so here's our wood tip email. I don't want to be rude because I like you fellas. I mean, <laughs> not in the Austin way. All right, no judgment. God loves us all. But you boys are all right. I don't like y'all as much as these gorgeous pump jacks, but you boys up there, but you boys up there, you know what I'm saying. Man, Woodtip, you got to work on your grammar a little bit. 
I'm I'm just gonna put it out there, oh. Wood Tip. You need to start sending us audio clips for us to play <laughs> on the podcast because I can't okay, pull I can't pull your tip on blast. No, no, I'm putting yeah. Wood Tip on blast. You need to send us audio recordings that we can play on the podcast weekly. All right, back to the email. That being said, I got a bone to pick about this whole pig discussion. I'm just not sure you boys understand Texas things, hoping I can offer some help. I mean, I like y'all. You know what I'm saying? Wild pigs ain't nothing more than a dang domestic hog gone feral. They were brought over here in the 1500s by the Spanish. There ain't a difference in, in a pig in America, wild or domestic. Same critter. Okay, all right. I mean, there may or may not be some... Um, Mexican vatos bring over some mule foot hogs for these high fence operations, but they're just goofy footed versions of the same thing. Here's the deal. Always shoot a hog. <laughs> Unlimited groceries in South Texas. Other things about pigs. Feral pigs breed the same as your standard HEB pig. Six to 12 pigs in a litter and gestation is 112 days. In six months, them sows are ready to stand and pop out another round of non-native invasive monsters but damn them groceries never end little mesquite wood barbecue and you never go hungry in south texas sounds like y'all just need to get to south texas and get after some wild hogs i might know a fella signed wood tip and then he put at the bottom i get my inspirational quotes from mother nature when the oil is flowing it motivates me to be better put a 10 point buck in the picture and i'll probably just have I'm not going to read on from there. <laughs> Does it bad? I should have pre-read his inspirational quote from the bottom. <laughs> oh, man. Thanks, Wood Tip. And, again, please start sending us audio files. I, I just I just can't do your – just can't handle your grammar. <laughs> Wait, so when did we say that pigs weren't just the same thing as domestic pigs? Did we ever say that? Because I've always held true to that. I know that's true. I don't remember exactly what was said, but I do remember us discussing uh, one of my stories or conservation corners was over feral hogs in the state of Texas. But I don't know. I don't think I ever went into like the lineages and stuff like that. And I I do vaguely remember saying it only took like three generations for a domestic pig to go completely feral. Yeah. But that's just based off of my understanding. I've never claimed to be a scientist. Listen how I talk. (laughs) Hey, Cliff, there can be scientists in Georgia. Uh, Yeah, the CDC is based in Atlanta. Exactly. See, I'm sure half of those people have bad accents. (laughs) (laughs) they're all the janitors (laughs) janitors, so um uh we can i guess we can start breaking down the weekend i guess where i'll start is apparently cliff broke the uh rhino i did not he he changed the mile it reads in kilometers per mile kilometers Per hour now instead of miles per hour, and my dad oh, can't Chris, figure out how math. to switch it back. Now I, I do want to say this, Mister Rowlett, that I, your son, is the one who wants the 
United States to convert to metrics, I'm still cool with miles per hour, so you need to take it up with Landon. But I didn't drive it, no, so met, I didn't met, change it. Metric you, makes more sense, though. You, you snuck metric out there. Metric does make more sense. I, I never drove it this weekend. I, I, I drove your truck around everywhere. My truck's in kilometers per hour, too. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, did, I know I didn't switch it because I didn't touch buttons. I touched the gear shifter, and I touched the key. And the gas and the brake and the steering wheel. That's it. That was it. That was it. You didn't push buttons and I didn't push any buttons. Mm. Well, we'll we'll try to get it figured out. So Cliff, where should we start with this weekend? Probably from the beginning. Otherwise it doesn't really make sense. So we drove up on Friday, four hour drive, left after work, got up there, hung out. It was dark by the time we got there because it gets so dark early now. And then and it's a four-hour drive. And it's a four-hour drive. So uh, got up there, got everything set up for the next day. And usually, and this is what we did last time when, when you were down there, Zach, is kind of like the first morning is like we get there late so we can't really set anything up. Or um, we kind of do that in the middle of the day of Saturday. So the first morning hunt was just like, hey, we're going to go to these spots that we know check them out and then we'll kind of make a game plan for the for saturday night and then sunday morning so um on saturday morning i hunted aaron's spot which is which up no one knows what that means so i don't even think we need to say the spot name yeah i'll give aaron a shout out i hunted your spot aaron and uh <laughs> it's it's up on a cliff side i think zach you hunted that spot before didn't you no, he hunted uh, the dentist line. I ended up not. I was going to hunt it Sunday morning, but we ended all we all on the 50 end when I was up there. Okay. So I I hunted that spot, and then Cliff hunted another spot that we had hunted before. And um, uh, got out there nice and early, watched the sun come up. There was uh, windmills weren't blowing, so it was real quiet. Got to, got to watch nature wake up. A lot of ducks flying. Um... And about, I don't know, it had been light for maybe like 30, 45 minutes. And I saw two, I saw two does, a doe and her fawn, um, kind of like off to the right. And they were headed right in front of the cliff. And I was just watching them, seeing what was going on. I wasn't going to shoot a doe with her fawn. So I was just keeping my eyes on them, watching their behavior. They end up coming like right to the bottom of the cliff. So they was like 50 yards away. Um, they had no clue I was, I was up on the cliff and just got to watch them and they just took their time, lackadaisical, enjoying life. And then I saw another deer in hot pursuit behind those, the doe and her fawn. And at first uh, I thought, a buck or another doe? It was a doe, but at first I thought it was a buck because it came the same exact route that they walked, like same exact path. And that deer was moving fast. So I thought, well, maybe, you know, normally that weekend is about the time the rut happens. And so I thought at first that it was a buck. And it was moving so quick that I couldn't tell at first. And so uh, this doe was like on their tail, moving quick. And it finally came to the bottom of the cliff. And then I realized that it was a doe. And um, we are definitely doing a meat hunt this weekend trying to fill the freezer so uh anything was 
was game on. And so that deer came to the bottom of the cliff and she wouldn't sit still moving around. Um, She had caught up to those other does that were still down there, but nothing was ever really clear. And then she walked like to the left behind this bush that I couldn't see past. And I knew if she made it about like 20 feet further, I wouldn't be able to get a shot off. So I like stood up from my chair and then like walked, uh, walked to the right to where I could see her around this bush. And, um, she like saw the movement, looked up and, uh, we like locked eyes, but she didn't move. And I had like a perfect broadside vitals shot at like 50 yards. Um, and what's crazy is, so I, I shot, she went down, um, and then Cliff texted me cause we had made a game plan that if one of us shot a deer, seven thirty two. Cliff texted me at 7.32. If one of us had shot a deer, then, you know, we were going to go help the other person out. So I'm, I'm kind of like taking my time, packing my stuff up, knowing that Cliff's got to walk back to his truck and drive over, putting my chair away, you know, kind of just getting ready and kind of processing what had just happened. And then I turn around and I see a spike walking like up the creek, up the draw. So it came a different route, but was headed right towards us. And I texted Cliff. I said, dude, you need to hurry up and get over here because there's a spike walking up. So I kind of like readjusted, sat down, and then just watched the spike uh, walk towards me while I was waiting on Cliff to to get over there. And um, I heard Cliff's truck pull up. About the time Cliff pulled up, and was walking down to where I was, um, that deer had, like, worked his way to the left into some, like, really thick brush. I mean, if Cliff would have been there, like, 15 seconds sooner, he probably could have seen it. And it walked into this brush. And then I was like, so it was moving to the left. So we walked down that cliff side the same direction it was walking. There just wasn't a lot of good visibility points. So we kind of found a decent spot, and we sat there for a little bit and waited, and nothing ever popped out. So then we went down and got the dough and uh cleaned her up and 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 did all that fun stuff um yeah and that was basically our morning hunt and after we finished all that we had breakfast and watched la beast and took a nap and relaxed and then i got up and i went to go prep my tree stand location Mm -hmm. so we have a single tree that Cliff can hang his tree stand from on our property. <laughs> and, and that is my spot. And that is Cliff's spot because it's the only tree. And Where is it at? Uh, that same spot you saw. Oh, that same one? Yeah. Yeah, way in the back. You just got it in there better? I did, actually. So that's this part of the story. So... Uh, I took a quick nap while they were watching L.A. Beast and all that, and I uh, then woke up, and I was like, I'm going to go and prep this tree stand spot because I knew there was a bunch of work to be done on it because, you know, uh, Zach it had all those vines growing off on the side, and then there's a yeah. bunch of brush around the bottom, and then there's that one limb that I had to unclip and then move it around and then continued climb. So, right. so I went out there. I actually sawed off that limb using a handsaw. 
and mm-hmm. then cleared out all those briar brushes and stuff. So now that that whole tree, the base of it is clear to walk around. Um, what you look? Oh, did it? Your tree stand's down? starting to fall down in your garage. <laughs> <coughs> and uh, got all that cleared off. Moved some brush around to brush in like the backside of a hill a little bit to kind of break up a silhouette a little bit more and then mm-hmm. um got the stand completely up and uh set up a trail cam and all that and by that time i got it all said and done i looked down at my watch and it was like four forty-five. well and let me pause here because we had made plans to meet back at the house at four and so it was four forty-five, and cliff wasn't back yet and oh, I dang. thought an incident may have happened. Yeah. So me and dad hopped in the truck and we're like, we better go see if he had a heat stroke or something. Because last time I did get yeah. sick from the heat. Yeah. yeah. If that had happened when you were in the tree last time, because you could have fallen out and well, really I, hurt yourself. I had my harness and lineman's rope and all that on. I would have just been yeah, hanging there for a while. <laughs> there you go. That's there. That's there. That's there. But, uh, <laughs> but I got all that set up. And I looked down at my watch, and I was like, oh, crap, I got to get back. So I kind of hurriedly threw out some corn and stuff like that and jumped in the rhino and then just hauled butt all the way back up to the house. And uh, before I even got up to the house, here comes Landon and his dad in my truck. And I pull off to the side. They come up and pull off to the other side and... And they were like, you all right? And I'm like, yeah, uh, I just lost track of time. And they were like, well, you ready to go hunt? And I'm like, yeah, but I need to go change first. Because I'm in, like, I had changed out of my camos into, like, street clothes. So I was just wearing, like, jeans, a T-shirt, and I had my jacket because it was a little windy. And then I was like, well, you know what? I'll just hunt the errand spot tonight. And I can just wear my jacket because it's up on a cliffside and I can kind of blend in a little bit with just a black jacket there. So grabbed my rifle, cleaned out the back of the rhino, put everything in the, the back of the truck. And uh, Landon's dad went off to his spot and me and Landon went over to Aaron's spot. Yeah. And we sat there for two hours. It was longer than that. It was until till after legal shooting line. Yeah. And uh, never saw a single thing. Mm-mm. Nothing yeah. moved. And it I was kind, a Saturday night. Yeah, this is Saturday night. And I kind of figured, like, all right, maybe they're just moving through that corridor area in the morning because, as Landon mentioned, he had seen four deer, four deer move through there just that morning and the nighttime, maybe they're moving through it again later or they're just not moving through there in the evening at all and completely bypassing it. So we go back to the house and thinking like, well, it's all right. We still have one more hunt session left and uh, we get back to the, house and we start to kind of make game plans of what to do um landon's dad said that we could hunt his spot 
because he wasn't going to wake up early on Sunday morning. So we, I could go hunt his spot if if we wanted to, or we could hunt Landon's spot, or I could go to the tree stand. And then if I did the tree stand, Landon and I would have been separated. Um. Yeah, and we, I kind of wanted to hunt with you. Yeah. Because I already shot a deer, and actually us hunting together ended up working out I, well. I, I feel like that was a big benefit mm-hmm. to us as like the next morning overall. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, we get back, unwind, take a shower, uh, eat dinner, and uh, go to bed at around like 11, 30, 11.40-ish. Yeah. And then wake up. I woke up at 5.20 Sunday morning. You woke up probably about 5.30. And uh, the plan at that point was to hunt my dad's spot. Correct. But at that point. But the problem was that I hadn't been back there. And like getting there in the dark. Well, I've been back there before, but I didn't know where he was hunting at. And getting it, up there in the dark and finding a spot with good visibility. I think it would have been tricky uh, going up there in the dark. Yeah. Because I didn't know where the heck. It could have been the complete other side of the property. I wouldn't have known how to get yeah, and, there. Yeah, and Zach, when you were up there, we didn't take, like, we didn't go to that part of the property at all. Yeah, this was gotcha. a completely new area. Yeah. Um, so the next morning we get in the truck planning on... Or that night we planned on hunting his dad's spot, but in the morning we got in the truck and started thinking about it. We were like, we don't really know how to get back there. Uh, and then the the ranges that he was seeing deer at were like three to four hundred yards. And I was like, Cliff, what's your comfortable shooting range? I said about two hundred. About two hundred. And uh, we're like, why don't we hunt Aaron's spot again? Yes, because with the deer were moving in the morning. It's a safer bet. For like a closer shot, um, and it's a spot that we know, and all the weather was the exact same mm-hmm. for the most part. The wind had shifted from a south to a north wind, mm-hmm. but that shouldn't have mattered there because it was a crosswind from where we were sitting. Either way, mm-hmm. um, from where we were sitting and hunting Aaron's spot, so it really would have only been a big difference if the wind would have started just coming from the east mm-hmm. and then our scent would have been blown over the canyon anyway um right. but so we go to Aaron's spot with kind of high hopes plus we had already baited that spot anyway with we, corn. Threw, we threw out some corn and so we we're like we've prepped this area we know there's movement um let's hunt this spot so we go there we sit before we get there before first light and all that. Sit there, wait, watch the sunrise, the earth wake up, and all that. Um, and we sit, and we sit, and we sit, and we sit, and we're just glassing like the three field areas across the canyon, the canyon bottom of where we would normally see deer. And me and Cliff were sitting on opposite sides of the opening, so I had like we were both watching different areas to cover be more gotcha. efficient. More yeah. yeah, we probably yeah. had like a 270 degree view yeah. between the two of us. 
Um, so we were splitting up in uh, our viewing stations. We were both glassing it with binoculars, watching, and we didn't see anything. We did it. We did some occasional like doe bleats. Yes, and I think by the end of it, we even started trying grunts, mm-hmm. and nothing, nothing moved. We even rattled once, but we we determined too that the rut hadn't started yet. Yeah, by the end of it, yeah, we've decided that rut didn't start yet. Um, but at the time, we didn't know that. Yeah, and so we. Sit there, sit there, sit there, sit there till about 9.30. And then we're like, mm-hmm. we're not seeing anything. Everything you saw yesterday would have already done passed by now. And we were like, now the sun's up. Let's go check out Landon's dad's spot. And our plan was honestly just to go put eyes on it, mark it on Onyx, and just check it out. So that way we had both been there. So the next time we come down, it was an opportunity to hunt there. Correct. Basically. Because we were hungry and we're like, let's go back, pack up, hit the road kind of mentality. Correct. And so we leave Aaron's spot on top of the ridge and then start heading to Landon's dad's spot. Do you want to take over the story now? Yeah, I'll take over because I was kind of the guide at this point. So I'll I'll give a step-by-step. I'm going to reset up my tree stand so it's not putting a hole in my wall. Oh, okay. So... um, what we did at this point was we were going to go back to dad's spot. On the way, so we have those uh, tank batteries. That's where they, like, store oil that's pumped from our property. Um, I don't know if you guys had seen them last time. I didn't take y'all up there just for, like, lack of time. Zach, whenever you, you were there, it's like, I can only show you so many things. Um, right. When I was giving y'all the tour. But they're just up on this hill. There's a road that goes up a hill. They're up there, and then that's it. There's, there's, it's nothing really exciting. And you can, you can see them from a lot of places of the property. So we drove up there, um, and then I knew that there were cliffs to the left of us, and I was like, hey, let's, let's get out. Let's, let's go down here and check out if there's any good viewing points. Kind of like a very similar setup to what Aaron's spot is, but as far as like the cliff side, but just a different area. You have a lot of viewing, good, good opportunity to see animals. And uh, so we go over there, we find a few spots, we sit down, we glass, like five minutes, just to see if we see anything. We were there, and we didn't see anything. So we walk back up the hill to get in the truck, and I drive forward to pull around, and we spook off two does that were um, up there, like literally right next to the batteries. Um, oh, wow. And... Um, we decide at that moment to jump out of the truck and try to follow them because maybe they were just running to get a safe distance because they didn't know what it was. Mm-hmm. And we're just going to go to a safe distance and check it out. We gave it a good, like, five-minute effort. No, nah, I'd say it's longer than that. is 10, 15. But followed them for a minute, <laughs> and they were like, eh, whatever. They're gone. Like, they, they spooked off. So we walked back. We gave it a good... A solid five minutes. <laughs> um, well, we solid spooked them, so seconds. it's just like it's yeah. like spooking a fish. Like you spook a fish, the odds of catching it are like very low. But yeah. if it's still close, it's worth like a small opportunity, basically. Right. Um, and so uh, after that, we walk back, and there's um, a staircase that goes like to the top of the batteries, probably like twenty feet up. Mm-hmm. 20 to 30 feet up yeah so i was like hey let's climb up to the top of the batteries 
and uh, I just want to like see what the vantage point would be because this is probably one of the highest spots on the property elevation wise. So I was like, if we climb up there, we can get a good view of what's going on. So we climb up there, get like a 360-degree view just to get a lay of the land. And then I pull out my binoculars and start glassing that same area where me and Cliff had just been sitting on the cliff. And I see a doe. So we're like, sweet. We walk back down. We go back to the cliff and like sit down. And I start glassing. And she, like, pops in and out a couple times, but she was really far away. And then this really nasty fog rolled in and made it really hard to see. And uh, we just eventually lost her. And the direction she was headed was, like, super brushy. And so, you know, it was never really, like, a good shot, but it was an effort put in. Mm -hmm. Um, And I don't think Cliff ever saw her in his scope, which the scope was much harder to view through in the fog than the binoculars were. Correct. Oh yeah, I bet. Yeah. So and she was also what did we range her at when like three hundred? I think you said two fifty. Yeah. Somewhere two fifty to three hundred. Pretty far away. Um so at that point we're like, okay, let's drive back to my dad's spot. So hop back in the truck, go back to my dad's spot. It was a two fifty with a good drop to it too. Yeah. Like, it was a far drop. Mm-hmm. Because we were up on that cliff. Mm-hmm. So, we drive back to my dad's spot. It's kind of... I don't need to explain how to get there, but it's it's way in the back of the property. Yeah. But... Um, so, we drive back there, and uh, we followed his directions on where we should park, and then we start walking in, and, like, where we kind of walked in, there wasn't really any good viewing angles, so there was this ridge off to our right. So I was like, hey, let's walk up this ridge and see what we can see. So we walk up the ridge, and we're like, this would be a good spot to sit in the future. We were just talking through it. like, Or you could sit over there if the wind's this way. We were just kind of like talking out future hunting plans, basically. Right. And I pull the binos out and then um, start glassing. And glassing guru here, that's me, pulled up uh, three does. And um, three does, and they were way off. They were probably about 400 yards away. Four, Yeah, 400. Um, and so it turned into like a spot and stock because the terrain we were on gave us a good opportunity to do like a legit. Gave us opportunity to move in closer. Yeah. Um, because there were some trees like, dead trees and stuff because that area it looked like it had been burnt like that looks like the area that was burnt it was a lot more open mm-hmm. than other places correct the property way more open but there were a few trees that we could put in between us and the deer correct. so we would watch them and then we would move behind these trees to gain distance quickly mm-hmm. and we're just booking it and we end up getting to about 150 yards away mm-hmm and uh, finally, I'm like, this is within my range. I could, I can make it work, theori- theori- theoretically. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, pull up the rifle scope and try to get steady from a standing position. And I couldn't get steady whatsoever. It was, it was also extremely windy. The wind was in our favor. So it was a north wind, and we were moving south. 
So the wind was in like our, a northeast. Yeah, but our scent wasn't being blown their direction. Right. But we did have a little bit of a crosswind mm-hmm. as well. Um, so I try to get, I'm trying to do a standing shot and get steady, but I'm all over the place with the crosshairs of the rifle. And so finally I'm like, well, I'm not going to do it standing. So I lay down in like a prone position. And I'll also mention, I think when Cliff went from standing to laying, this deer that we were watching popped up and like, I felt like me and this deer were locked eyes. Yeah. I don't know if you noticed that or not while you were getting set up. I mean, I know she, I know she is looking at us, mm-hmm. but I don't think it ever registered with her at all because I was moving around a good bit trying to find Yeah, I don't think she ever saw us, but I think she knew something. She caught, something caught her eye, and she was on alert. Yeah. Um, but I lay down into a prone position and try and get a shot there. But the issue with that was there was a dead bush about 10 yards or so in front of us. And at this point, there's no more trees that we could hide behind to sneak up closer. Um, so I lay down. There's a dead bush right in front of me that I clearly can't see the deer now because there's a dead bush in front of me, much less take a shot. Um, so I get into a kneeled position. The nil position, I was still very shaky and uh, couldn't get steadied. So I went into like a crisscross style, sitting on the ground, uh, kind of seated position, and ended up trying to use my backpack as a shooting rest. But there's too much give in it so it's not like really keeping it super steady or anything and finally i get the cross airs to kind of circle between the forward gut of the deer and the vital section and i'm just kind of circling it circling it circling it and it finally seems like it got to that right point and i pulled the trigger and immediately i hear and I'm like, OS. That did not sound good. And uh, the deer ended up running off at that point. And they ran probably within 50 yards of us. And then I would say 20 yards from us. Right. Um, and then up a hill. And I don't think that they ever realized what it was, even though that they ended up getting that close to us. They never knew we were there. Because once they got to the hill, they stopped, they turned around, looked into the valley for a while, and then just turned around and meandered, like slow walking the rest of the hill. They were like, I'm not going back down in there, but I don't see what it was. Mm -hmm. Um, But at this point, because we thought it was a miss, but we weren't sure a clean miss, we still went, we still looked for blood, made sure that it wasn't just an injured deer somewhere. And right. also, right. we watched the deer run off, and there was no indication that that deer was injured right. whatsoever. Right. But we were still going to do our due diligence. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah. 
So we know that it was a miss. And then I'm kind of beating myself up a little bit. But uh, I'm happy it was a clean miss and not a Yeah. Better have a clean miss and a bad shot. Yeah. And so we start walking back to the truck, feeling a little defeated, but also amped up because it was a really valiant effort on both of our parts. It was a legit kind of, or it felt like a legit spot and stock style hunt, which I've never really done. And uh, so it was like a bitter sweeted moment. Before we move, right. move on to like the next part of the story, because it only gets better from here. Um, what, because I think we learned a lot of lessons from that. So while we're on the topic of what we went through and that experience and what we talked about afterwards. Like, let's run through, like, some different things that we could have done um, in that situation that may have resulted yeah, cause in I think a these better are, outcome. Yeah, because I think this is the first area that we could have had, like, true, true This is, like, learning the, moments. So, the, the real, mis- like, this is where the mistakes were made. Right, because before, when we spooked off those, the, the first two, though, that we came up to on the battery... Those were what we could have did. It was walk, but we were planning on like turning around anyway. We spooked him with the truck. I mean, right. So that's not like, yes, there's some stuff we could have done differently there, but at the same time, we weren't in that mindset because we were going to go to another spot. Mm -hmm. Anyhow, we were done up there. Um, and then the third deer that we saw across the cliff way, from the battery section was just way too far anyway. What Even if I could have found it in the rifle scope, I don't think it would have been a shot I Mm-mm. could have taken or would have taken. Um, but this one, we got into what I feel is my range because I have shot at that distance before and done well um, for targets. And... This episode is brought to you by the NHL on TNT. When it comes to hockey, the Stanley Cup playoffs are built different. Experience the intensity and insanity on the ice and off it. From now through June on TNT and TBS. Get ready for seven game rounds of knockdowns, dragouts, pressure, and agony as teams go head-to-head without ever letting up. The Stanley Cup playoffs are known for more than just a few cracked ribs and black eyes. Pushing through the pain is the name of the game. With so much edge-of-your-seat action, you'll refuse to shave or change your jersey. Don't say we didn't warn you. Ready to feel the rush? Watch the Stanley Cup playoffs now on TNT and TBS. This episode is brought to you by Cox Contour TV. Sometimes it's hard to decide what to watch, but Cox Contour TV helps make that decision easier. Enjoy live TV, on-demand programs, DVR recordings, and music all in one place. And only with the sound of your voice with the Contour voice remote. Plus, catch the golf and basketball action you've been waiting for on the Contour Sports app. Learn more at coxcox.com slash contour. We actually had to be more sneaky getting up there Mm -hmm. and there were 
is a little bit more of a technical shooting. Yeah, so I don't think we made... There wasn't an error in getting up there. I think the approach we took was get behind those trees, cut the distance, and then kind of pop out and try to find a decent place to shoot. What... At that point, what we should have done is wait. I think we should have waited, and I don't know what your opinion is. I think we shouldn't have shot as fast because those deer were working their way towards us. So we could have waited, and there were three doe there, and we only saw one, and they were all together. So we could have waited for another doe to pop out. Maybe you could have scooted. We could have worked you. You could have crawled up to a prone position where you could have made a prone position shot. But I don't feel like we had to take the shot when I as took it. fast as we did uh, i agree I now rushed. that being said though you know the shot was within your range um it could have been better it but it been better but it wasn't a horrible mm-hmm. situation um i do agree with you that we could have waited I do agree with you that we could have tried to move in even closer. But it would have been a crawl. It would have been crawling. Um, I do agree with you finding another spot to actually go prone in because the spot I ended up sitting in wasn't a solid spot anyway. Mm -hmm. And I agree uh, we should have watched them to see what they were actually doing. Because we had the wind. Yeah. If we were there sitting still, they would have never known they were there. We could have sat there. I mean, without them moving, like if they were legitimately going to stay there all day, we could have stayed there all day Mm -hmm. and not spooked them out, Mm -hmm. I believe. Um, So I think the key takeaways for it was make sure you have a level steady shot Wait. If everything's playing in your favor, wait. Don't rush the shot. And observe. Because I also think that we could have learned a lot from those doe Mm -hmm. as well. Um, I'd say that those would be the the takeaways for me in that section. What do you think? No, I'd agree. I just would have said patience, and we could have worked our way into it, Mm -hmm. like where you could have taken a prone shot. Absolutely. I agree. So we walked back to the truck. At this point, Cliff's tree stand is still up in his trail cam. So the only order of business was to go pick his stuff up. We were going to go back to the house and pack up. But it gets better. Uh, Because we were starving. We were legitimately. This was like noon. Almost. Yeah, it was like 1130 or so. Well, we we kind of had a bar, but. Yeah, but we legitimately ate some snacks that I had randomly in my truck. Mm-hmm. So it consisted of like a protein bar and a Slim Jim each. <laughs> so we were starving. So it was like, we're going to hurry up and go get close tree stand, and then we were going to go back and eat and pack up. And plus, we had to get back to San Antonio Sunday night at a decent time mm-hmm. because we both worked today. Yeah, And... uh Like we said, it's a four-hour drive. So even leaving at noon, if we would have left right then, we would have been back here at four. I still got to drop Landon off and get back here and unpack the truck. Mm -hmm. I would have been done probably about six by the time it's all said and done. But we didn't leave then. 
So we go to get Cliff's tree stand, and uh, so we had to park the truck before that uh, grove of sumac, Zach, that the trucks yeah. can't get through, but the uh, the uh, rhino can, but we didn't have the rhino. And so we park the truck and literally take no gear. Cliff grabs the stuff he needs to take his tree stand down, and we go over there. Which was legitimately just my safety harness. Yeah. And we walk over there, and Cliff's like climb up his tree stand. He's like, I was like, you know what, Cliff? It's going to take you like 20 minutes. I want to walk down here around the corner to that backfield and see what's going on. So right. from there, the road goes like down a hill. You cross a small creek, comes back up, turns to the right and up a hill. So I walk down the road, cross the creek, take the right, and I'm like slowly walking up this hill, and there's a buck at 30 yards. No way. Yes. And so I slowly back up. And like the only thing that was above this hill, like when I, because I walked up the hill slowly to see what I could see. But the only thing that was like the deer could have seen to me was my head. So I slowly walk back down and then I like creep back to the creek. And when I get back to the creek and I'm in the clear, I like sprint back to Cliff. And Cliff's like, at this point, I am legitimately up in the tree stand standing on the platform taking down the uh i forget the tree strap strap that mm-hmm. you strap into when you're actually like sitting taking uh-huh. it down and i see landon running back towards me and he runs to the base of the tree he's like do you have your rifle and i said no <laughs> he said i saw a buck and i was like Rifle's in the truck. I'll get down from the tree stand. You go grab the rifle. So I get down from the tree stand. Landon is running back to the truck to get the rifle. And I'd say that that time where I'm just standing there waiting on you to come back through that sumac to bring me or to bring the rifle was probably the longest like minute that I've ever felt. Like it felt like you like took a stroll, went and found a Starbucks and (laughs) then came back. And I'm like, this is taking forever. So, but Landon finally shows up and I'm sure it was my adrenaline pumping like to get it. Cause he was kind of doing me a favor by going and getting the rifle. Yeah, I did. I I found all your deer. I grabbed your rifle. I didn't get a tip at the end of the weekend, you know? Oh, yeah, Landon definitely had the deer eyes this trip. Um, um, so I came back with a rifle. I handed it to Cliff, and then I had Cliff follow me um, back there. And um, I kind of poked my head up the hill when we got there. I didn't see the deer. So then I went into the bushes on the left because the deer was working to the left, and I knew that like he wasn't moving slow, but he was definitely like walking that way. So I went into the bushes to the left and to put I, shrubs b- between us. That way we could look back to the right to make sure he didn't turn around first. So I wanted to eliminate behind before we rounded the corner and to see if a deer was there. But then after that, yeah. it opens up and you took the left side of the field to walk up between. And I stayed next to that brush line mm-hmm. really close. And walked slowly up. And then we met back together 
so onto we, the road. We walked the field probably about 50 yards, and it's way open back there. And we walked at a snail's pace, um, extremely slow, making sure that we were not missing anything. Mm-hmm. And at the end of this 50 yards is a brush line. And in the brush line is a small road. So me and Cliff reconverged on the road and then uh, walked down the road together very slowly. And the road opens up to probably a garage size opening. Yes. And it kind of curves right there too. Mm -hmm. And we round this curve and the deer, the buck is standing legitimately about 10 yards away staring directly at us and by that point there's nothing we can do he blows us and he bolts off Mm -hmm. at the end or there so we're like well that's that one's done like he's gone Mm -hmm. so we we turn around because we still got to get the tree stand and still got to get the trail cam so we turn around and start walking back to it and by this, we're just talking about how, how cool of an experience that was, how close he was, and all this other stuff. And I was like, I can't believe it was legitimately, think of it as you're walking down a hallway, and it's two hallways that meet up. You round just that corner, and the buck's right there. So there was like, right. there might have been a few things that we could have done, but there was very little. Like, he was there. Mm-hmm. Um. So we we turn around, we start walking back to get the tree stand and the camera, and as we're walking back, <laughs> not thinking anything because I had just walked past this brush line. Cliff was walking this brush line, and in this brush line that Cliff had walked down this whole stretch, a buck pops up and runs off. Yeah, at about twenty yards away. A from different us. buck a different. than the one that I had seen, and it was at twenty yards. And he just runs right out past us down the creek and then to the other side of the the creek and then into some brush, and we never saw him again. Mm -hmm. So that's a second buck that I had legitimately just walked past. Yeah. And by the time we— Cliff had walked within 20 yards of this buck. Never even saw him. Never even saw him. And we did not spook them. And that goes to show how quietly we were walking to and how slowly we were walking to have not spooked him in the first place. And then when we turned around to walk back, the wind was no longer in our favor. And we were also, like, talking loud. Correct. Um, when the second buck blew out. Mm-hmm. So we finally get back to the tree stand and the camera. I take down the tree stand, which legitimately, Landon saying 20 minutes. It took me five. Um, I think you need to work on your, your time estimating. It, it took five minutes. <laughs> um, you had enough time to go take a pee and stand around for a minute. <laughs> um, pulled down the tree stand, grabbed the camera, walked back to the truck, and we head to the house. And as soon as we get to the house, Landon... Goes and takes a shower, and I pull out my camera and pull all the pictures off of it. And legitimately, the third picture on there is this nice 
three and a half year old by my estimation. And Evan said he th- thought it was about three and a half as well. I think it was that same buck we were following. I think it's the second buck. Oh, you think it's the second I buck? I think it's the second buck. Mm. Um, sitting there on the camera at about 10.30, 11.09, and then again at like midnight he was there. So he was in that area for a while. And if I would have just hunted my tree stand. <laughs> that morning, because he was there that morning. He was there that morning at... My, that tree stand spot, all my actual, the whole field that I'm like looking over, the farthest distance in it is legitimately like 28 yards from the tree stand itself. So, mm-hmm. so if you guys had to pick one thing that you both learned from the weekend, what would you take away from that? Trust my gut. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because uh, I knew like the tree stand probably, it, it looked good and it's very low pressure back there. No one's hunted back there in years. But we didn't know historically what goes on back there because people haven't hunted in there for Mm -hmm. so long. And this was the first time that there's been a camera back there in a long, long time. Cliff, I think your lesson learned would be that you need to hunt with me because when you hunt with me, I put you on deer. You did. (laughs) But you're also being extremely (laughs) like... uh, hubris in it um no it's 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 all in good fun i mean it was lucky that i walked there and i mean some of it was luck but um i think for me like just being more patient i think that's the biggest takeaway also a big takeaway on that hunt with the tree stand is like always take your rifle with you because if we had our rifles Mm -hmm. there we could have been back on that deer and he wouldn't have walked all the way back to that second layer of brush correct if we would have had a rifle instead of waiting five minutes maybe i don't know five minutes we could have been back there in a minute and a half yeah yeah so the takeaway is always have your gear ready you ain't got to get ready if you're ready yeah and then we also for that second hunt with that deer we had some like grunts and some bleats and some antlers and instead of walking into that brush which i was like 95 percent sure was the direction he was headed and that he walked into that's why we walked in there down that road instead of walking in there we could have set up and maybe rattled some antlers done some calls and tried to pull him back out to us but i don't know how well that would have necessarily worked because we i honestly don't think that the rut had kicked off yet but had we decided that at that point or did we decide that after we got to the house that day and talked to my dad and talked through it because i don't think at that point we had decided i think we decided it after we saw the second buck in that area because then that they're clearly uh still bucked up in like their little buck groups yeah but what i'm saying is we didn't know at that point that that they weren't at the rut but we maybe still could have gotten some kind of response Maybe we, we may could have tricked something. Um, yeah, at least a curiosity. Mm-hmm. I think that's what we could have sparked up in them. Um, Plus, we would have had two opportunities if we would have sat in that field, like up against a tree or something. We would have, had, knowing what we know now, two bucks that we could have sparked at curiosity. Least two of. opportunities. Yeah. Um. But yeah, so it's a whirlwind of a weekend. Especially our Sunday morning hunt. A lot of lessons learned. A lot of uh, just good like, times. A lot of 
slight heartaches. Mm-hmm. It was like, just like event after event. Like we we were done hunting basically, and we when we had opportunities, we went back after them. But like it was just cool that that happened the way that it did. I think uh, another key takeaway to think about a way to think about it is it ain't over until it's over. Mm-hmm. Because every single time that we said we were done here, that's when something came up. So what you're saying is we need to say that we're done. And then things just magically <laughs> And then things would have happened. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that was one of our biggest issues is like we'd say, all right, we're done here. And we'd kind of get lackadaisical in, the, in our approaches of stuff and kind of lose our edge. And then something happens and we're not in the ready. We're not good to go. So then we got to scramble to get it back to where we need to mm-hmm. and by that time opportunity has been blown so yeah. we did get some questions um because i i put a question up if people had questions about our hunting this weekend uh so we'll end on these um gabe asked i'm assuming he's talking about the deer i posted on instagram he said was that a stunt deer what does he mean by stunt like not real. Like with the stage. Like with uh, yeah. stage. That picture yeah. was really. That picture. That picture looks good. I mean, it's. It, it, you know, there's. Um, yeah, you did a good job with it. Thanks, man. Yeah, I don't try to do something different than oh, the traditional. By like, the way, put as, the rifle over it and. As Landon sitting here acting sure, like he's big guide on, <laughs> on the ranch. Well, I'm the one who filled gutted the deer, and skinned it and quartered it out this is true i bet landon appreciates that though i did it's kind I'm of fun not, i'm not complaining it sounds got, like but, you guys are even but cliff uh, <laughs> also insisted that he liked doing it i do like doing it so yeah don't let cliff make anyone think like he didn't enjoy that yeah no he he yeah yeah and did you get any meat out of it yeah, we were yeah. splitting. We we went into the weekend knowing that we were going to split whatever 50-50. So we get one yeah. deer, we get 10 deer. All the meats go in 50-50 to, mm-hmm. to us anyway. So here, here's the final question that I think all the listeners are wondering. Um, do Zach and I get some jerky? <laughs> <laughs> so what we did was with uh, we... We kept the heart, kept the back straps, kept the tenderloins, and then we took everything else to the processor. We dropped it at, off at Klein's, mm-hmm. Klein's and Bernie. Came highly recommended, yeah. and we got some some fun stuff. Um, yeah, we, got a, we are going to make some turkey. Klein's is good. We got about 15 pounds of different fun stuff, or was it 20? You did five pounds of the sausage five or pounds, chorizo. Five pounds chorizo, five pounds sausage, five pounds that dry sausage. Five, five pounds of meat sticks yeah, and five pounds, pounds of, of fajitas and five pounds of jerky and cuts. five pounds of jerky and then everything else ground. Correct. I'm curious to see what you guys think about their meat sticks there. I, their meat sticks kind of end up tasting a little bit like bologna hmm. compared to other places. So I'm interested in what, what your opinion is. Yeah, we'll you try them. white bread, make a bologna sandwich. <laughs> figure out some They're different than other meat sticks. But yes. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. eat it for sure. Yeah, and we 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 got a lot of different stuff. Cause we're like, oh, let's see what we like at least. And we they yeah. definitely have more options, but we're like, let's see what we like. And this can be experimental, so we kind of can dial in if if we're gonna get a deer processed again. But to answer what we your get. question, Ian, 
yes, y'all will probably get jerky out of it because mm-hmm. we did do jerky cuts. So we're going to get the raw jerky back, and then I'm going to season it and dehydrate it, and uh, we'll pass it out that way. We'll probably come to you in a yeah, mason jar. Sure. So another yeah. question we got was from Josh. He said, did y'all spot and stock, or were y'all using a blind stand? Um we don't really use blinds. We don't have any blinds on our property, so we're all like hunting like cliffs and hills, just kind of taking a chair and and setting up where you want. Um, but then and on this trip, as you probably already heard, unless for some reason you skip to the end, straight to your question, we did end up doing a spot and stock on this trip too. So, um, and then the uh, Gabe asked another question. He asked, "Do you use a shooting bag or tripod bipod?" Well, see, that's where we also, another thing that we actually kind of decided that we are going to look into is getting a shooting stick, a shooting stick and uh, a tripod for the binos Mm -hmm. because I'm, I'm very curious into uh, the phone scopes. I don't know if all of our listeners have heard of them. I'm sure most, some of them have. But it's an attachment that you can put onto a spotting scope or your binos or even your rifle scope. And it kind of uses... Yeah, your phone will hook up too, right? Correct. Your phone will, like, it'll match up the lens of your phone, the camera lens, to the eyepiece. So it'll, like, zoom in so you can just kind of watch your phone so it's a little bit less strenuous on your neck. And you can kind of scan around a little bit. You can also record at the same time, which is cool too. Correct. Yeah, I have a I have a tripod mount for my binos, and I love them. It they really help. And that spot in the back. Yeah, but I have I have. Oh, go ahead, what? Zach. Okay, I have you know I have all the camera tripods, and they just they work. They work great. Yeah, we that spot in the back is a great glassing area. Probably like one of the best on on our property as far as like how far you can see, and like the opportunity to like actually like spotting scope or binos back there, and you almost have to constantly glass there like that's an area where you're going to want to have your binos up all the time correct so yeah we're we're looking at adding a few more pieces of gear and i think the way that we need to approach this is probably split it yeah but back to gabe's question about the uh the uh, like bipod or bag or my dad is a huge fan of the shooting sticks. That's like a bipod shooting stick. So it's got two legs and then you have your gun rest on it. Um, his is pretty cool. It's got like, it adjusts really quick. So mm-hmm. if you're in a pinch, you can, you can get it set up. But, you know, having something like that, again, in that situation where you're having a hard time with the crosshairs, um, with the wind and everything like that, having a shooting stick would have made a world of difference. Correct. No, I think that that would have been, she probably would have gone down mm-hmm. if I could have gotten even more steady on her. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so we're looking into possibly doing a shooting sticks. I kind of am leaning more towards like a, a tripod type scenario with just like a, uh, shooting stick head on it so that I can just switch it out if I need to shoot or binos have the binos. Yeah. That's nice. Um, so yeah, I'm looking into that. I actually went and looked at a couple today. Dang. You didn't waste any time. 
know because it's fresh in my head. <laughs> um, Zach, and did you guys have any other questions or anything you wanted to ask us about the weekend? Um, go ahead, Zach. No, obviously I don't. It sounds like you guys had a, a fun weekend, though. The Sorry, cat the, weird. Oh the yeah, cat did not kill me this weekend. I was gonna say, what kind yeah. of what what grain ammunition did you use? That's my only question. Oh, I I uh, I shot a two seventy. Okay. And I sh- I was using my six five Creedmoor, and I believe a one forty five grain. Yeah, yeah. I don't remember that off the top of my head. It was the uh, atypical by Federal. Mm-hmm. So whatever that is in the six five Creedmoor, that's what I was shooting. And then you shot the atypical in the two seventy. Mm-hmm. Um, but still, those two would have different grains. Yeah, Dad's cat didn't kill Cliff this trip because Cliff was popping Zyrtec like candy. I was. There you go. <laughs> really? We 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 we're, we turn. Is on. that what that ricochet was? Like a little, little buzz. From he was a little buzzed on Zyrtec. <laughs> Very well possible. <laughs> but like, as soon as we get up there on Friday night and turn onto the road that uh, Landon's dad lives on, I pull off on the side of the road and Landon's like, "What are you doing?" And I was like, "I'm going to take a Zyrtec before I even get in there." <laughs> it also helped. Cliff got the bedroom. I gave up the bedroom and yeah, I slept like a champion. And uh, the cat doesn't have Were you direct. A- no, I was on the couch. The cat doesn't have direct access to the bedroom, so it's like probably the safest spot in the house for someone mm-hmm. who's allergic. Yeah, but. Yeah, so you're hearing us yawn now because we're actually recording later than we normally do. Yeah, we are. And we're still tuckered from this weekend. This is for y'all. Yeah, because we didn't want y'all not to have something one week. Yeah, we didn't want Do we have an episode coming out tomorrow? Yeah, we do. I have it edited and scheduled already. But this would be last week. We have an episode coming out last week. <laughs> yeah, this is true. The timeline's all messed up. <laughs> <laughs> the episode came out last week, but it hasn't been released. <laughs> what? <laughs> Everyone. Oh. Yeah. So if you haven't, if if you haven't really gathered, we normally do like a uh, a week in advance. We record Wednesday nights, and then we put them out the following, the following Tuesday. Tuesday. And then record the next Wednesday. The again. thing is, though, if you're listening to this from the Southern Hemisphere, it comes out Thursday. <laughs> think about that one. How would it come out on Thursday? I think it comes out on Tuesday. Yeah, I don't think so. it comes they out on Wednesday. They're a day. They're a day ahead. Yeah, not the Southern Hemisphere though. The uh, that's just across the, the international uh, date line. Yeah, exactly. Like Australia, they get it a day before. That's true. Yeah, so if you guys okay, love our podcast so much, it. you want to listen to it early, go to Australia. Australia. <laughs> <laughs> no, that is true because Argentina doesn't. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah. Um. Well, if you guys are looking for the perfect gift for the loved ones in your life, we have sweet honey hole angling merch on our website. That's what I'm getting. It makes a great holiday gift. It makes a perfect gift. Wait, what yeah. kind of merch do we have now? We got to, what do we got for the? We got the, the folks my here? personal favorite is the leather patch hats. We got to do leather, one leather in camo or olive. We I'm do. the only one who of the group that does not have a honey hole hat. 
It's because you want one in camo. Mm, it's because I'm holding off for one that I actually want and will actually wear. You won't wear any you of those ones. I would, I would probably actually wear the the navy one. Mm-hmm. But uh, I do want one in like the olive or camo mm-hmm. for like a coyote. No, coyote. Is Honey Hole like gonna do like a little like little camo print maybe? Sometime yeah, it's season? it's on the radar. Camo print is on the radar. The Maybe issue is how, the rough. issue is how do we do it tastefully? Camo, right? Yeah, and the leather patch. I don't think they offer. A camo dude, I option. wear camo in downtown Austin all the time. Yeah, <laughs> dude. You do pre-COVID. And you people, don't want people to see you down there. Dare you? No, man. They, <laughs> I wear camo to Whole Foods, and people are like, uh, "There's always one guy who's like, dude, sick." Uh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like there's always like one token bro. That's funny. Ian, what are you doing at Whole Foods? What are you buying? Um, Take I'm it. Celiac, so they have a lot of gluten-free stuff. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I understand that life. Not personally, but through my marriage. Um, But I try not to go there. And it used to be close to the office. Mm-hmm. Uh, or I had a lot of clients that were, like, close by. So, But uh, H-E-B, shout out, is pretty much everything that Whole Foods has nowadays. Mm. Oh, yeah. This is great. They're just a well, their yeah. meat's not that great, but if you're gluten free or celiac like me, and you want like just snack food like cookies, <laughs> dude, damn. All right, guys, you guys have anything else you want to add? Ian, do you have any words of wisdom? Not to put you on the spot or uh, anything. Don't forget your rifle. Uh, don't. Yeah. <laughs> well. I don't know if you forgot it. Always keep a rifle on you. We'll say that when you're hunting. And, and maybe just in life, depending. <laughs> 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 um, we'll, no, we'll, we'll back this up. Be prepared. Also. The Boy, Scout, the Boy Scouts motto, be prepared. Also. Okay, never mind. Landon's giving me the shut up, Cliff, look. <laughs> Be prepared. I like it. I like Be it. Be prepared. Uh, don't talk about politics at Thanksgiving. Oh, uh, that's, that's a good one. That's a good one. All right, boys. Have a good day. <laughs> <laughs>